You know, it, here in Minnesota, it has been particularly gray, even by February standards, right? Not terribly cold. It's actually been very mild over the last few days. But that mild weather means all this evaporation into the air, which means deep, low, dense cloud cover. And here we are. I mean, it, it's a, a gray, hazy shade of winter. But I know that you'll agree with me, Sean. We're in the home stretch, right? Like, I no, only a fool thinks that we're getting out of March without major cold or snow, even through April, possibly even May. But the worst, deepest, darkest, darkest parts of it are behind us, right? How well do you know electronics? Literally not at all. Okay. Like, if I was the last person left alive and the future of electronics depended on me, it's over. So my happy light that I have at home for days like today, could you... Like change that over so it's no longer has to plug into an outlet that I can just carry my happy light. Like maybe mount it to my shoulder and just have a happy light beaming on me all the time. Now, clear me up on this. Is a happy light like an emotional support light for it people is. who yes. suffer from yeah. SAD and that it's sort of thing? It's supposed to simulate the beautiful sunny day. Yeah. No. See, here's <laughs> it's the just deal. A, it's really annoying. Actually, my wife got one for me because she thought that it was a good idea. It's just... Well, because you are kind of a wreck. Super annoying. Yeah, no, I get it. And here's the deal. We all need a little more light, right? Yes. Um, And we all need to sort of have that feeling. But I feel like the way, the reason spring feels like a long, extended, oh. pollen-filled orgasm is because <laughs> it, it, it's been so long, right? It's been yes. so dark. There's yes. been so little light. And we haven't smelled those smells. We haven't felt those feels. And it can be hard. I mean, people genuinely suffer this time of year. But man, when spring finally erupts here in gorgeous South Minneapolis, oh. home of the Smart Start MN Studio, the parkway, the people, I mean, granted, it'll be 45 degrees and there's going to be a bunch of dudes out there on rollerblades in shorts. But spring comes and everything changes. I believe that there's something healthy for the human psyche, as dark as the winter months mm-hmm. may get, I believe there's something healthy in going through that so that one's appreciation is almost grandiose, almost ridiculous, almost spectacular. Yeah, I lived in Arizona as a kid through junior high and high school. It was so bizarre there to not go through the seasons. I think we all need to kind of die a little bit, which happens in the winter, so we can be reborn again in the spring. It's the whole metaphor, right? I mean, in my opinion, even though I have great friends who live there, I wouldn't live there for money, except maybe in the northern part, but in California, there's a reason L.A. is weird. Yes. It's always nice there. It's the same. That you're not. It's not supposed to be that no, way. No, except in the height of summer, where it's 120 degrees and the mountains are on fire. Anyway, hi, I'm Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. It is episode 226 of the Brian Oak Show, and it's nice to have everybody along with us. It's powered by our very good friends at Smart Start MN. We're in the Smart Start MN studios here near 48th in Chicago in South Minneapolis. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They're the ones who really helped build this thing. They were the the boosters behind it. They were the ones that worked with the legislature and all the various state bodies to make sure that if you lost your license due to a Dewey, DWI, or what's the other one? Um, DUI. Yes. If you lost it, and you're going to if you get pulled over and you get nabbed, even before you're found guilty, you're going to lose your license. You got to get back in your car. You got to drive again. They have the hardware, the technology that will get you back in your car way sooner and for way less money than you otherwise might expect. And they've been with us since literally before day one. Yeah, it's affordable already. But if you uh, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Elk Show, that'll save you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. It is stupid cheap. And I, is that why they don't want us to talk about the actual price point? Well, I... I don't know what the legalities you look, are. You just look at what it would cost you to Uber everywhere or to taxi everywhere or even take public transit everywhere. It's so affordable to actually do this. It's right. just, you know, it is what it is. You get to drive your car, you got to blow into a little gadget and... And go. And actually get to drive. And yes. then you realize, hopefully, after that one spanking, you're like, you know what? Drinking and driving was super stupid. I'm not going to drink before I go to work. I'm not going to drink before I take my kids to jujitsu practice, whatever the case may be. But you still are in trouble, so you got to blow into the thing. Check them out for yourself. SmartStartMN.com slash Brian Oak Show and learn more about the Ignition Interlock System. Also, before we talk to today's guest, who I've bumped into on and off over the course of the past many years, he's been a fixture in Minnesota music for a very long time. Let's go ahead and take care of our other primary sponsor, and that is none other than... 
Sean Bernard. Sean Bernard, you, despite the fact that these are the doldrums of winter, right? People talk about the dog days of summer. This part of winter is when people are like, I'm fucking done with this. It's over. Just stop it. It's gray. It's cold. It's starting to stay a little bit lighter, a little bit earlier, a little bit later. But it's it's not the time of year that anybody feels like doing anything except people who are planning. And you as a realtor for Edina Realty, 50th and France location, by watching your social media and talking to you as often as I do, you're busy, man. I am. So, I'm busy like it's May right now. Busy, Weird. Which is very odd. I think people want to jump the market a little bit. The The interest rates are going up slightly. Right. Not a ton, but I think it's sending people into a little bit of a frenzy. I had... Well, and home values are way up right now, right? Yeah, they are. Uh, they are. And that's there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I had one client lose out on a 22 offer deal and another uh, client lose out on a 14 uh, offer deal. And part of it as a realtor is I look at them and say, we can't go in more than this amount unless you're willing to stay at this place right. seven or 10 years or more. Cause I just can't do that ethically. And that means that you're going to lose out on some deals, but you're also not going to put yourself into a horrible situation financially. I just won't do that. It's not ethical. So the home that I live in right now, we bought, so there was the crash, right? In the yes, late 2008. early 2000s. Right. Yep. And then shortly after that, there was a, a boon mm-hmm. briefly. And we paid at the very upper end of what our home was worth. Oh, no, we did actually before the drop. Right, right then, like when things were going through the roof, we bought at a very high amount. Then the crash happened. Yes. And my, my house went down in value, at least according to the state or whoever, about 80 grand. And I'm like, oh, I guess we live here the rest of our lives. That's That's how how it is now. Now now we're back up again, but it took a long time and you don't want to do that. And so even now when things are good and, you know, inventory is lower than it has been historically and prices are amazing, you also don't want to saddle yourself with an automatic, no matter what you do, 10, 15 year commitment. No, you just really got to look at it. I think people fall in love with homes, but they need to really consider the financial side of it. And that's what I'm good at is we're looking at the research and that sort of thing to help people through that. The other thing that I'm doing this year that I did last year is I'm going to donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or band. And it just helps them out. I just, uh, the, the latest one that I just sold over on 45th, uh, that is good. That donation is going to bad posture club. I just heard back from them. Really? Uh, yeah. Have you heard of that band? No, it's just a two person. It's uh, a great name. It's though. a great name. And they're, they're really talented. They're very subtle. We should have them on the show. Fine. Um, I'll, I'll get a hold of I'll them. I'll get in touch with them. Say, Maybe. Hey, if you want your check from this particular yeah, exactly. transaction, get your butt into I, the smart start MN studio. I think they would love it. They're very subtle is what I can tell you about their particular like brand of music. Right. But right. yeah, so, so give me a call. 612-859-2594. If you're, if, even if you know somebody who's looking to buy or sell and they want to work with somebody who's maybe, you know, just a little bit ethical. Huh. <laughs> just a little bit, by the way. I mean, just, like, don't get me wrong. Well, we'll, we can blur a few lines, but at the very baseline, he, well, here's the deal. Sean won't screw you over. He'll screw the system over. Yeah, screw the system, man. All right, here we go. Before we go any further towards smashing the state, let's hear a song. (laughs) I don't like to get too far into a show without hearing a song, but I do want to let you know that today's guest is Swedish, born and raised, but has been a native of Minnesota for a very long time. And so I hope he doesn't hate me too much for this, but knowing that he was coming in, one Patrick Tanner, I thought about all the many Swedish bands I know, and I'm like, man, the Hives are fucking cool. And there's so many good Swedish mm-hmm. bands. Is Komeda Swedish? Yeah. Oh. Yep, they Sorry. sure are, yeah. Oh, shit, because I should have gone with Komeda. Oh, yeah, What Makes It Go is like one of my probably top oh, 20 records. We debut, could pause the, right now the, the and put it on of there. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to pause just right. a second. So with the Swedish guest in-house who we're going to dive deep with very shortly here, I thought about ABBA because my love of ABBA was never ironic 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I've always loved their pop brilliance. But being a kid uh, that grew up in the 80s and came of age in the 90s and has listened to music ever since then, probably my favorite Swedish band of the last 25, 30 years is the band Komeda. They do this brilliant brand of indie power pop that I don't really know. I mean, like, you know, hives are loud and crazy and fun and in your face. And this band can be that, but they can also produce some of the most sophisticated pop music. I mean, up there with the greats that I've heard ever in my entire life. So let's hear a little Komeda. We'll come back and talk to Patrick Tanner next on The Brian Oak Show.
That Swedish band's third album came out in 1998, which is making Grandpa feel oh. relatively old because, I mean, like, that's a good, relatively modern-sounding record. Like, they bring cool styles. They're not like every other pop band out there. But 1998, Sean, was 24 years ago. You know what I hate is when people post stuff on social media and they go, that was 24 years ago. And 24 years before that was when the Beatles arrived in 64. Right. And you're like, what? Oh, is no, my you, life flashing before my eyes? If you look at things where like, people are like, this happened 40 years ago, but 40 years before that was Cab Calloway. And you're like, are you fucking kidding Exactly. Me? Cool. There was no running water before that. <laughs> people still use, use dowsing sticks to find exactly. where to dig their well. Exactly. Oh, I'm Brian, not Sean. <laughs> it's episode 226 of The Brian Oak Show. Today, we are joined by Patrick Tanner. As I mentioned, born in Sweden and grew up in Sweden. And at the age of 20, migrated to the United States. Although, from what we've been told all our lives about Sweden, if you were there, why the fuck would you move to the United States? And I'm not judging the Patrick at all. The quality of life like, is always way up there in the world. Uh, also, <laughs> not only is are all the services better for just being a human being alive, have you seen Swedish people, male or female? It must be like living in a room filled with perfectly manicured mannequins. I mean, like it's... That's it's, why he came here. He wanted to be better than everybody oh, else. Oh, he wanted to look prettier That's than it. all of That's the exactly ugly, it. fat, dopey Americans <laughs> exactly. like me and Sean. In any event, he moved here to the U.S. and released a couple albums. He did music before he left there, but has been making music, producing, and writing ever since he's been here in the States. And it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Patrick Tanner to the Smart Start MN Studios. Patrick, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Now, you're a name that I've known for a long time. Only really got to meet you or get to know you better in the last few years. But before we get to any of your Minnesota life, if you don't mind, I'd like to spend a little time on Sweden because I'm not widely traveled, right? I've been to Europe a few times, but I'm not one of those people who's widely traveled. And so, of course, Americans, as I'm sure you're not surprised by, are given to sort of legends or trends or rumors or, you know, Swedish people. Like I just said, like, they're all beautiful. I know they're not all beautiful, but let's be honest, man. Like, on a person-by-person -person basis, people are prettier in Sweden. It's true. <laughs> They're screwing up the curve. And um, yeah, they booted me out for not being. Uh, I doubt that enough. very, very much. You grew up in Sweden. And so do you speak Swedish fluently? Oh, yeah. Will you call Sean a dickhole in Swedish real quick? Oh, my God. Well, I'll try. No, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, I thought it would be kind of fun. Well, okay, if you want to. All right, I want to hear it. How dare you? Yes, Sean. I, know. I was kind of. You know, he looked at me when he did it too, which I thought it had some effect. And he was like, he was like, I actually mean this. Here's the deal: Minnesotans have that passive aggression, yes. and we, we never quite get into it. Europeans aren't afraid to look you right in the eye and tell you what oh, they think. Oh no! And Tanner thinks you're a dickhole. Yeah, just so you know, oh, we're blunt. We're blunt. Yeah. Yes. No. So are Swedish people blunt? Because you get the idea that in addition to being beautiful people, that there's sort of this general sort of acceptance of everyone around you. I mean, universal health care and kindness and all that sort of thing. You know, intelligence, high levels of education. Everything that goes on in Sweden, at least from my distant perspective, but are Swedish people blunt? They are. They are uh, remarkably blunt. If you go to the grocery store and uh, you know you're getting checked out and you're you're being rung up, and if you uh, if you weren't smart enough to buy a bag to carry your groceries in <laughs> beforehand, right, you're going to be standing there without a bag. <laughs> And uh, Carrying that's, your that's, oranges you, that's and your, your problem yeah, now. That's wow. on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, every country has its standards, right? So you are born in Sweden. You are raised in Sweden. Tell me just even a little bit about where it was that you grew up. Uh, well, I was I was born in Stockholm, but I was uh, raised up north in a in a town called Sundsvall. Looks a lot like Duluth, so industrial yeah. and on the water. So I mean, smaller but not small, right? I mean, like still a, a about a hundred thou. Okay, yeah, so, no, that's so a lot. Yeah, yeah, Duluth. Yeah, and um, it was a great place to grow up, really. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, so no complaints there. I think it all started with. Um, um, you know, coming over here was basically in 1985. You couldn't write a song and get it released 
in English in Sweden at that time. For real? For real. So now I know in Canada they have this thing where 40% of all content that comes out, be it on TV, movies, whatever, has to be specifically Canadian. But even back, and when you're talking about in the 80s, I mean, English was sort of the lingua franca, right? I mean, it was it was sort of the thing you did. You released a song, many, many, many Swedish bands have put music out in English because you wanted it to reach a larger audience. Why couldn't you put a song out in English in I the think, mid-80s? I think ABBA was really the only band ever that was, you know, allowed to really? do that. And, um, like, and when you say allowed, do you mean by the state? Do you mean like by a broadcasting entity? Well, there was a very progressive movement in, in Sweden in the 70s, musically and politically and otherwise. And, you know, the whole, the whole idea of singing in English was kind of verboten. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, That's wild. And I had just gotten into, uh, you know, Motown and Stax and wow. all that stuff. And I liked the way it sounded, especially American English, you know. It has a ring to it, and I wanted to write those kinds of songs. Which you've gone on to do more than a few times. Before we talk about you jumping to the U.S., though, when you're growing up, how does music find its way into Patrick Tanner's life? Like, I mean, is it going to church and hearing the choir? Is it being in the choir in school, playing in the band, growing up with your parents' record collection? How do you first come to, whether it's Western or not, I mean, how do you first come to love the very notion of music and creating music? Um, you had to kind of look for it, you know, it wasn't everywhere. It's not, we were not surrounded by it by any means. And radio play was very limited. You know, you get a little bit of music here and then there will be, uh, some, uh, news programming. <laughs> and right after that, it'll be bird calls. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I, I think I'm probably dating myself here, but that's literally, that's how it was. But that makes, I mean, radio used to be like that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like these segments of kids gather around. Oh, exactly. Like, we're going birding this weekend. You want to know a fun story? The reason that you bring that up and it's so brilliant. My wife right now is literally, as we're recording this, getting into a car, going up north with her friend Lydia. They're going to stay in Duluth. You brought that up before as well. But then both days they're up there. They're driving an hour directly north of Duluth and going birding in the winter in their snowshoes. Wow. Which, right? I mean, like, so... You know, maybe for some people, you went music. Maybe some people went bird calls. That's Whatever the case may possible, be. Yeah. So you grew up with that, but it was radio really your first entree into loving music? I think so. I didn't really grow up in a very musical family. I think my, my parents had like three LPs. and uh, That's one, not very many. Not very many. <laughs> and uh, so it was a bit of a struggle there, you yeah. know? And uh, but I I love the drums first and love the way they looked and I wonder what what would it be to be in a band because everybody that was in in a band you would see them on TV and it it looked like they had a really good time and they looked like they were all friends yeah and, and it also you know, looked like they had a bunch of girls who wanted to spend more time with them after the show didn't it Patrick well yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> there's that, nothing that, wrong. I've never met any rock star who ever said. The ability to meet someone attractive that I can hang out with later had nothing to do with my interest in going into. That's okay. I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? I mean, that's even if it's not rock and roll, even if it's gentle acoustic folk, I promise you those guys were getting plenty throughout the folk era. So you are growing up, and you're, but you've not yet left for the U.S. because you didn't do that till you were 20 years old, right? Right. So when do you start making music as, whether it's professional, whether it's profitable, or just something you you really have to do when do you start making music as a band or a songwriter well i joined a band um a punk rock band when i was 14 what were they called they were called mass media i don't know have any idea what you're talking about right now yeah. is that even english no well <laughs> mass media i mean i guess you could oh, mass say media. that yeah it means okay. the salad fork that isn't often used before the dessert the second salad fork that no one ever touches that's what, that's what that's the translation true. is so it means mass media and i did not mean to be so openly disrespectful will you say it one more time Mass media. Oh, okay. Well, now yes. that you now say it, I'm like, I it. Mm. oh, I was just being, a, a, once again, an American pig dog. <laughs> I apologize for that. So when you get together with the guys in mass media, you're all young, right? I'm assuming in your teenage years. Yeah, I'm 14, and uh, the other guys are, you know, 17 and 18, and they had already made a couple of records. Really? They had already done a little bit of touring. and uh, So in Sweden, is that, I mean, like, it's one, I mean, everybody makes music right right now, right? Like, whatever age they feel, the they get the itch. And with you know technology and the internet you you can do that 
but you know, we're talking a while ago, and I'm not trying to date you or age you, but I mean, in that day and era, you know, to make a record, you still have to go into a studio. You still have to make a. Pre- is that easier in Sweden than it is here? I really don't think so. We were fairly isolated, and uh, but you know, it was the tail end of the uh, original punk rock movement, right. and um, you would you would just be resourceful it's like has anybody got a cassette deck well i do who's right. got a couple of microphones well that's some other guy and uh we and found, so very uh, diy like we're in a basement so. and we're so we're not going to a recording studio we're down in your basement we're hoping we don't piss your mom off and we're going to crank <laughs> out some rock and roll yeah the first couple of records were like that and we went in the studio um, a year or two later and and recorded properly but we never let, you know, lack of exposure or lack of resources stop us from, from making the music and booking the shows and, and doing all that. Well, and if you don't have the love and the passion for it, it's never going to happen, right? And if you have the love and the passion, you find ways around those limitations you're talking about. Before we talk about your new record, which is on the way coming up before the end of the month, and your transition to the U.S., I don't like to get too far into the show without hearing a song. You do have a new record on the way, though. What's the new record called? Uh, the new record is called Becoming the Sea. And what does that mean? I hate to ask people about the titles of songs or their album, but Becoming the Sea, because I haven't been to the ocean, I love the ocean very much, in particular the Pacific Ocean, and I haven't been there in now five years, maybe a little longer, and I'm missing it badly. So when I see something called Becoming the Sea, my mind races to all these different places. Why did you want to call it Becoming the Sea? Uh, It's a line from one of the songs, but um, I think it's more... uh, you know, last couple of years, kind of coming to term with my own obsolescence, and uh, whoa, and, that's uh, a strong term. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, hey, you know, I I'm mean, from like Sweden, you, we, so well, it's we're, we're heavy, and uh, we, I mean, we all feel like sometimes we're lost in the gray or the clouds or the cobwebs. Obsolescence is strong, though, man. That means it's over. Well, I mean, to me, I I find you know a sense of uh, comfort in it, knowing that you know I will be just dust at one point. And uh, and I'll wow. be part of the universe and becoming the sea. You know, it's uh, it's endless. You become part of um, um, a kind of endlessness. I well, suppose. and which technically we were before for billions of years before we ever existed, and we return to it. You're comfortable in this, though, with that level of existential. Well, uh, it I, really it really takes the pressure off. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me about this first song we're gonna hear. Well, what is the first song we're going to listen to? California, right. You know, I used to live in L.A. You mentioned that. And um, um, I loved it out there, you know. and uh, What part of L.A. were you in? uh, Hollywood. Okay. So I lived uh, on Beechwood and Mm -hmm. Gower, and then I moved to North Hollywood and then back into Hollywood. Wow. And and, um, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I had no plans on, uh, on coming back here ever, but, you know, fate being what it is. No one knows what tomorrow may bring. Nothing, no, not at all. Let's go ahead and hear some music from Patrick Tanner on The Brian Oak Show. Staying here Going out of my mind I don't think about it much Most of the time I observe from a distance
Tanner on the Brian Oak Show, episode 226 in the Smart Start MN Studios. Beautiful. Now, you've been making music for a long time. You were in bands. You grew up in Sweden. You're like, yeah, I like the end of punk rock. I like to see what's next, but I have my own ideas. I create. Why? And I'm sure there are myriad reasons, but why at the age of 20 do you decide to pull up stakes and head towards the U.S. when you live in one of the most wonderful countries on the planet? Uh, It was probably a bit short-sighted, you know. uh, (laughs) Do you regret it? No, I I really don't. I really don't. Um, So what do you mean it was short-sighted? Just like USA, we got to go there because that's where you go to make it big. Well, you don't think about, you know, retirement and right. getting old and, right. and, and uh, you know, earning a living and things like that, really. Um, I just wanted to go someplace where I could sing in English. And I just happened to get here, you know, as Minneapolis is booming with great bands. And first band I ever saw here was... Um, uh, the replacements. Oh so are we, my god! Are we talking early mid eighties? Uh, we're when talking you land like nineteen eighty three. Okay. Uh, wow. wow. Ground zero. So the first live band you saw in Minneapolis was the replacements. Yeah, there was a girl that that brought me to to see him. I had no idea who they were, and they played at um, the Kaufman Union. And wow. I, what I remember from that show was I. I didn't think they finished one song. No, they never did. <laughs> um, they never did. And um, and but the place was packed. And yeah. in my own ignorant foreign person way, I thought, Jesus, is this all it takes? So you know, <laughs> in Sweden, when you're making music, right? There's obviously a huge movement to not sing in English, like National Pride, whatever the case may be. But growing up, I mean, were you taught English? Were you fluent in English when you landed here? Yeah, I mean, it's taught in school from third grade, so everybody should have at least uh, six years or so. Crazy. I Uh, mean, that's my thing. Every time I've been to Europe, whether I've been, you know, Ireland is where I've gone more than any other place, being an Irishman. But I remember my time in Amsterdam walking around. I only heard American English maybe twice in four days. But every single person I talked to, regardless of the shop, regardless of the service, knew how to speak English. And so it is the thing. So it's interesting to me that I've never heard that before, that there was a real movement in Sweden to not let people sing in English like we're going to maintain a national identity. I think it was it was about, um, you know, the thought was it's not authentic. Yeah. You know, and, and perhaps it's not. Um, uh, but I just wanted to get out there and do my thing. And uh I didn't want any rules about that stuff. If I wanted to sing in Chinese and learn that language, I'd do that, you know? So you, I mean, but, so deciding to, at the age of 20, right? I mean, this is when the future is wide open. This is when what I'm going to do with my life 
I'm at least going to give it a shot because at 20, you can give it a shot. And three years later, if it doesn't work out, you go back to whatever you were doing before. But it's one thing to say, I'm moving to America. I'm going to make music in America. And then actually doing it, I mean, did you have any friends here? Did you have contacts? Did you have people you knew? Or did you literally just pack up a bag and be like, screw it, I'm going to America? You know, the only, the only person that I really knew was uh, Tina Shlesky. Oh, my gosh. on the B-side. So. And how is that you your friend her? that lives in Santa Barbara? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know so Tina. I've, I've known her since uh, 1984. and uh, She was a recent guest on the show here. How did I you love get, Tina. So you got to meet her before you came here? Well, I was here. I went to school for a little bit here. Oh, okay. And uh, so I met her in high school in Apple Valley. And oh, my she was, gosh. Uh, she was one of the first people that ever talked to me. Wild. Because, uh, uh, you know, meeting her and her family and her brother and all that and... They were trying to get something going. They had right. some drums. Yeah. She bought a guitar. And um, so I started hanging out at her house and just showing them whatever I knew at that point. And, uh, and I thought, these people are really cool. They're really nice. And, uh, you know, these are people that I want to be friends with for the rest of my life. And, and uh, yeah, me and Tina have had a friendship and a... Uh, uh, working relationship ever since. She's so fantastic. I've seen her a million times in concert, and she keeps reinventing herself. She does, and, uh, and, uh, and I, I admire things. that. Yeah. What, again, I admire because when you're an artist, you can, especially if you find a good niche that people love, you can ride that the rest of your life. She refuses to sit in one spot for very long, and that's dangerous. It's risky. There's no guarantees that anyone's going to give a shit about the next iteration of what you decided you're going to do as an artist, and she she's fearless about it. She was a guest on our show, what, a few months back? Yeah, a few months back. Just she's actually going to be ago. at the Dakota coming up, I think, in the next week or so, doing her uh, standards set. So. I like the fact that as she's gotten older, she has, I mean, she was always this force of nature, right? I mean, I'm sure yep. even when you met her as a teenager, but she settled into this level of comfort in her own skin, which, and, and what it allows her to do, in my humble estimation, is relax, breathe, be exceptionally present. The last time she was in this very room, sitting where you're sitting now and talking to us, I've never enjoyed her company more. She was wonderful on that day. And I'm glad to watch it happen, right? She's happy. She has a family. She lives in freaking Santa Barbara. I can't imagine why she wouldn't be happy. You come to Minnesota. You, I mean, you meet people, but you come here, you go to school. Was there any, despite the exceedingly high number of Scandinavians here in Minnesota, <laughs> was there any culture shock when you landed here? Well, everything, yeah. I mean, things look remarkably um, similar to um, to Sweden. People look in the same. In terms of topography and, and, and yeah, people you know, all and that everything, stuff. right? And, and picking up on stuff was, was difficult. I remember watching Johnny Carson. You know, yes. every night, and he's cracking jokes. I have no idea why, what, what he's on about, and uh, and it it literally took me years to to get the jokes, and then I I, I found out they're not that funny. You know, they were not well, the best I mean, jokes. American it wasn't human, just me. Here's part of America, American culture. As much as everybody like around the world seems to want to be like, well, we got to make it in America if we're going to make it. America is also this massive, diverse place where if you're going to genuinely be successful across the spectrum, you got to kind of water it down. You got to go lowest common denominator. Thank God there were people who could make lowest common denominator clever and occasionally interesting like Johnny Carson. But you're right. The jokes aren't that funny. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was uh, he was casting a wide net as, as you yeah. know, and sadly, that's only become more and more the case. Um, so you land here uh, playing music, though. You don't just get to walk out and be like, hey, I'm this cool Swedish guy. I have songs. I want to be in a band. I want to do a thing. Obviously, you get to meet Tina. I know you've played with her over the years. You've played with lots of other people you produce. But when you first land, how do you sort of get the wheels spinning on being a music guy in the Twin Cities who just landed here from a foreign country? Uh, that was really hard. You know, I'm I'm uh, a bit of an introvert. Um, I'm, I'm kind of shy and, um, uh, but there was the city pages and, oh, uh, yeah. so I just put an ad out yeah. and, uh, found some people and, uh, formed a band and, and, uh, just went from there. You know, I never thought, oh my God, you know, this is going to be so difficult. I just thought, um, I'm not going to advertise where I'm from. I just want to put, put together a band and be like all the other bands and, and, uh, try to get some traction, get some shows. 
you know. What was the name of that first band? We we were called Love Like Blood, uh, after the uh, the John Hyatt song. Yeah, and uh, but also it's got a cool dark element to it too, right? Love. Well, like you know, blood. there's that Scandinavian darkness, <laughs> you know. It, well, at least you're not like from a Finnish black metal band that burns old stave churches, right? I mean, that's true. Like, like not that level of darkness. No, but but the Finns, I, I don't think there is a country more rock and roll than Finland. Oh, I mean, I, there's a, a sense of danger there that is yes. Well, and a, a sense of sort of like frontier-like fearlessness, like with the whipping of the hair and the genuine darkness. Also, I, <laughs> something that was brought to my attention regarding Scandinavian music, again, a very small niche um, along the rock spectrum, but Viking metal was brought to my attention about 10 years ago, where bands like Tur, you know, T-Y-R, all they sing about are, you know, like, you know the song, like, uh, Immigrant Song or yes. uh, No Quarter by Led Zeppelin, but all they do is loud, heavy, Viking-themed songs. I mean, that's painting yourself into a little bit of a corner, but also kind of badass. It is kind of badass, but yeah, I mean, how many songs can you write about it? I don't know. I don't, they're still at it, man. Yeah, I apparently a few. That's dedication. I can appreciate that. You know? <laughs> well, you have been in Minnesota for a good long time now. Do you consider yourself, before we hear your next song here, which we're about to, and maybe this is an unfair or ignorant or a, a guy who's poorly traveled question, at this point, though, obviously you have Swedish heritage, right? That's, right. It's, it's where you're from. You are a Swedish person. But now you've lived here for well over 30 years. Do you feel like an American or do you still feel like a European? Uh, neither. Really? I don't, I, I, I don't really feel like I I really belong anywhere as such. I mean, I belong in, in, to my family and the house I live in, uh -huh. but um, I've, um, I've never really felt fully american or fully swedish or anything really? like that is and that okay i mean does that does that ever give you any existential angst or are you happy being a global citizen or do you find which i think is a really important point do you find that satisfaction that some people attach to nationalism in your family in your friends in your way of life and the work that you do guy i'm yeah i belong to my friends and my family and the, mm -hmm. the house i'm in and uh um borders are you know i mean we have to have them but they're also uh, imaginary yeah a little bit um, not a little bit <laughs> they're completely imaginary unfortunately people are willing to die for imaginary dotted lines on a map it's a pretty crazy world that we live in yeah i mean i get a little bit suspicious and uh, i tense up a little bit when it comes to you know, waving any flag around and saying mm -hmm. that this is what this flag means or this is what freedom means. Uh, anybody that that w that really wants to define what freedom is, you got to be suspicious. They yes. usually have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Almost always, I find that anybody who who speaks too loudly about any subject genuinely has an agenda. Um, before we wrap things up, and we're going to end things with one of your songs, another one off of "Becoming the Sea," your new full length album. When this comes out, which I believe is on the 18th of February, correct? That's correct. All right, very good. So when it comes out, what is ground zero for the information, the music, the show schedules, the everything regarding Patrick Tanner? What is the number one place you'd like to direct people to to learn how to get your record or when to come see you live? Just patricktanner.com. But again, you don't spell it normally. Nope. So again, one of these crazy foreigners on the show, Sean. I told you. I tried to tell you. <laughs> P-A-T-R-I-K Tanner, which again is not that odd. But let's be honest, this guy's probably on a watch list somewhere. I'm just saying. I, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds possible. All right. So the new one's called Becoming the Sea. It's out on the 18th. Have you, have you weathered COVID okay? I mean, it's been hard on a lot of people, right? And it's it's... And just and again for people who play out live and you produce and you're used to seeing people we all had to sort of you know and recently it's been much more up and down but we all had to shut it down there for a while did you do okay did the head get weird you all right um i did okay you know in in some ways it was a gift yeah uh, not i you know i played with a band where we were playing 150 shows a year right mm. but i have a, a son at home he's 13 and i felt like i got kind of a bonus year yes with him mm. and oh, that's uh, the right age too because everything's yeah. about to change for him yep. and you get a year to kind of you know make that happen yeah we, we did some road trips just 
drove out into the wilderness oh, where there great. wouldn't be any people and hung out. And, uh, so you know, cool. I know I don't, I'm not going to get that time back. Mm. But so. you logged it already, so you're all good. <laughs> so that being said, obviously shows get shut down. Touring becomes much less. We're at what was a suddenly opening and then everything shut down, but now it looks like we're on the verge of opening again. Are you intending to tour in support of this particular record? I don't think so. I'll do a few local shows here and there where uh, whenever it feels right, um, you know, uh, as far as a performer, I don't really play out that much. Right. I'm, you know, my recorded output is really uh, where it's at. It seems like whenever I... I play live, it's for somebody else, whether it's, you know, Martin Zeller or Tina Shalesky mm. or, or somebody else. And these That's, are the people that you've most prominently played with in years past. Yeah, they, they were locally. the ones that, that called me up and say, hey, you want to do this? Right. And, uh, and then I do. But you've been <laughs> doing your own stuff, too, for a long time. Let me ask you this, then. Back in the, and this, then we'll wrap things up, but in, back in the days when everything's free and wide open and you're putting out music and you're doing the thing, and obviously as we get older, you know, the idea of going on a, there's something romantic about going on a three-week tour when you're 22. Right. If you're my age, 53, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Like, I, I can't imagine anything worse. But where have you ever toured or gone to that you found, uh, in a positive way, a wildly unexpected response? Or maybe you walked in and thought, nobody here knows who the fuck I am. Or, you know, they might like it, they might know it, but they were into it. I mean, was there ever a time where you bumped into a spot that was shockingly wonderful that happens all the time that's so cool it, it yeah. really does and it's usually in the strangest most miserable of of places <laughs> you know, i i think i like personally i like a little bit of adversity mm -hmm. and uh you know something that's vaguely threatening because all of a sudden you got something to prove um i think my my idea of hell is playing bars where there's 16 TV screens and then it's sports on every one. Yes. You know, that's a that's a war you can't win. But, you know, maybe you got booked into a place that don't do your particular kind of music and then you got to prove yourself. And I always enjoyed that, you know. And do you still... Do you still love making music? Because I know that for some people it goes up and down. I have a very dear friend who played drums for a major national artist for over 30 years. And now he's hit an age where he's like, I don't get any joy out of banging on the drums anymore. He just, he's done. Do you still find joy? I mean, you obviously made this record. You're capable. You're talented, clearly. Do you still find joy in it, though? Does it still move you? Is it something you still really want to do? That's precisely what I want to do. It's exactly what I always wanted to do. And I wake up in the morning and there's music in my head mm. and I fall asleep at night. And, and sometimes it's almost annoying because it's always there. But it, it has always given me a, a lot of focus, happiness and and uh, a great cure for whatever anxiety you're, you're suffering from. And there's always another song to write. And if I'm recording somebody else... They'll bring something to me, and I get to add something to it, and and I'm living the dream, you know? Is that why your piercing blue Swedish eyes still look so fresh and young? Or <laughs> clean is there, living. Is there, I was going to say, or, or is there some sort of weird Scandinavian secret that Sean and I are going to have to beat out of you so that we can look a little better as well? I don't know. Um, oh, um, I think we have our answer. Sean, lock the door. All right. right, here we go. Something's got to uh, give. His name is Patrick Tanner. Becoming the Sea is the new release. The full length is out on the 18th of this month. PatrickTanner.com. I know you're planning, it sounds like not playing a ton, but maybe we'll get to see you out there somewhere in the year ahead. And um, I wish you well, man. I hope 2022 treats you as well as possible. Well, you know, I got a good feeling about this year. Do and you too? I do. I do. I can feel it. Winds of change. Wow. Thanks for having me on the show. I, and thank, yeah, thank you, you for ending it. the show on a note of positivity. I do want to thank our Patreon members. I want to thank the good people over at AudioQuip.com, Nate and his entire crew. They seem to be holding up despite you know, the overwhelming odds against most of us during the course of this. And, um, and thanks, everybody, who's ever listened, subscribed, shared, amplified this show. Here we are, 226 episodes in, a very humble Midwestern podcast based on promoting and doing what we can for this community. And we appreciate it. We could not do it without all the people who are on board. And Patrick, thank you, man. You have a good year. You too. All right, very good. Thanks again. The new album is called Becoming the Sea. Patrick Tanner, tell me about this final song we're going to play, and then we're going to head out. 
Well, this is a cool song, actually, because Tina Shalesky sang um, backing vocals oh, on wow. it. And, uh, right on. And the, the song itself is about the day I joined that band I told you about, Mass Media. <gasps> right. Which was the best day of my life. and um, Still to this point, the best day of your life. Well, yeah, it changed everything. Right. It, it, it got me off the couch on the weekends and into the mm. clubs. And, uh, and uh, I knew what I was going to do for the rest of my life. So I really owe that band uh, a lot. It's almost dark The grass is wet The world means nothing To me yet And this day So endlessly long Will be impossible to forget